0: Uh, good afternoon, everyone. I'm Don Zavis, National Sales Trainer and Sales Coach, International Keynote Speaker, and I want to welcome you to today's Speaking of Sales podcast. This is a uh, one that's been literally months in the making. You know, We, like the rest of the world, had fallen victim to, uh, to the pandemic, so this was one that I was very, very anxious, and I've got some wonderful guests joining me in the studio today, uh, and I'll give them an opportunity to introduce themselves. Uh, today's session is actually called Sales in the Cancel Culture. So as a general rule, I really don't, create a political situation. To me, sales training and sales coaching is apolitical. Everyone wants to make sales. The tools that we use are applicable, regardless of your background, creed, color, orientation, anything like that. It doesn't make any difference. You know, we're kind of all in the world out there struggling to make ends meet. Uh, however, there's been some recent circumstances that I thought really begged this kind of conversation, this kind of format. And it was how sales have been affected by the the whole cancel culture. And the, and the illustration that we originally was, we were kind of of developing the the, the program uh, was a recent situation with parlor uh, where, where they were taken off of the uh, uh, off of their podcasting plat or excuse me off of their platform uh, for really nothing more than having just a, a differing opinion than the people that were hosting it. And you know, I saw that as kind of the, the 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 straw that started to break the camel's back. And and since that time, you've seen lots of examples of people you know not being allowed on Twitter, and you know uh, you know hate speech now has. You know, fifty-five different versions of it, and everybody has an opinion. And and now racism is is the new catchphrase. To you know, next second only to hello. So I've got some wonderful guests in the studio mm-hmm. today. I'll let them do introduce themselves. Uh, Jacob, would you like to go
1: first? Tell us who you are, what you do. Sure. My name is Jacob Barr. I'm the c- CEO and president of com. We essentially design websites and create content, videos, um, and work primarily in the pregnancy clinic pro-life sphere, along with um, Christian organizations and churches as another major group that we work with. Uh, we also work with a variety of small to medium-sized businesses, um, and we've been in business for 21 years, um, and we're a growing team of about nine people currently. Um and and we essentially um, have had several clients show express concern over this exact topic of what if we get deplatformed like Parler or like Trump from uh, from uh, Twitter, and so we have been actually exploring like what are our options for how to protect against this kind of um, potential problem that could happen within three plus months, and we don't really know, but it's something that could be. Approaching us mm-hmm. as a something that we could address or prepare for.
0: Absolutely, no, absolutely, no. That's and that's wonderful. And and we and Paul, join us from Viven. Paul, tell Hi. us about you.
1: Thank you, thank you for having me today. Uh, my name is
2: Paul Mendoza, and I'm the co-founder of Viven. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a consulting firm where we help uh, develop uh, strategies for businesses to be able to grow, mm-hmm. change their culture, um, and be able to find opportunities how to be able to diversify mm-hmm. what their their company, their mission, uh, and really connect with their values so they can. That equals basically sales, correct? That goes back to the best investment we can do in every single company is our people. Mm -hmm. So how to be able to invest in them and be able to grow um it in in that form,
0: absolutely, absolutely. And by the way, gentlemen, welcome. I, I appreciate you. you being here today. I also want to say that there's no like good and bad. There isn't a pro. There's not a, a you know the good guy, the bad guy. There's there's nothing. the The idea is that is to have this conversation because as a sales trainer and sales coach, as, as Jacob just mentioned, you know, I've I've been approached by uh, clients that have asked me. You know how how intrusive can we be? I mean, can we like look at you know one of our employees' Facebook and, and look at the picture they took when you know you know in when they were in college 15 years ago? And can we force them to take that down? And can we you know force them to you know scrape the bumper sticker off their car? Or, you know you know what you know what can they listen to on, in in their own personal office in, in terms of uh, radio stations and such? So it's a very polarizing effort. But let me throw the first question out. And and by the way, I, I kiddingly said. I, I came up with about 50 questions when I, we were originally putting this together that have kind of blossomed over the last couple of months. This one was the first one on every single one of them. So, Jacob, just for lack of a better word, because we're going to go in a circle, you know, why have we become so intolerant? You know, what? what is it so magic about now? Before, if you didn't like a business, you didn't like somebody's politics, you, but they made a good product, you could overlook it. Or if you didn't, you know, like their politics, you would just go buy someplace else. Now it's like you you want to hurt these people and, you know, drag them through the streets behind a running horse. What, why are we so intolerant now?
1: That's a really good question because, yeah, you're right, because used to, people would shop with their money, their, sure. you know, their, you know, the sales would drive, mm-hmm. um you know, people could just shop with their vote, their feet. Yeah. And today, it feels like there's. It's almost like a um, a different. Yeah. You know, it's not. It's not really about the sales. It's almost like about the ideology of like what someone wants everyone else to accept, mm-hmm. and then they they try to you know um, overwhelm the the, you know, the culture by you know by forcing it through legislation or by. Utilizing you know forms of um, messaging in order to try and change the voice, you know, trying to weave it in mm-hmm. to our culture, mm-hmm. um, and and I and I and I think when it when it comes to like legislation or I, I think actually maybe back up. So I think one thing that's that I would say is the what the government when the government leaders have a certain posture, I I feel like a lot of these bigger companies. That especially monopoly-sized companies will, will reflect and sync with what the government policies or postures are. So if a representative in our Congress, you know, contacts Google and says, I would like you to do this and this, I feel like Google will listen because Google's not just a monopoly here in the US. They're a monopoly, you know, globally oh. a monopoly. And it's, which is a completely different thing than what we're used to seeing in previous years. And like, you know, being a monopoly in China means that you have to comply with China's policies very differently than the way Google complies with the U.S. policies. But I feel like it's an example of how they reflect government posture. And so I think some of these companies are really good at matching, you know, the government wish. So like when Parler was deplatformed or when Trump was deplatformed off of Twitter, it was because trump was no longer in power and the people that were taking over had a different posture right and partially i feel like the ceos were trying to do what they wanted to do within the structure of under this you know government change along with also i think part of it was also trying to match mm-hmm. government you know new government leanings based on the new leadership coming into power and so i think all all that sort of comes into play is you know amazon and google Are sometimes matching government policies more so than being the policymakers themselves. They're trying to they're trying to maintain their monopoly power in these certain uh, vectors.
0: Well, you don't you don't want to you don't want to piss off the guy that can shut you
2: down. So I could see where that would
0: happen.
1: (laughs) So, Paul, what are your thoughts? Uh, Why why
0: are we so intolerant in the world today?
2: uh, Social media. Social media, I think uh, you, uh, we actually can create our own little world. We can create and listen to what we want to, what we don't like, and if we, if you don't agree with somebody, you just block them, and you just don't listen to them anymore. So, I think social media has to do a lot with it. Um, I think going back to the to the main question, like uh, just to Jacob's point, is uh, we as a consumer, we can use our dollars in any company that, right. as you prefer, whatever you like. But I think the polarization of uh, the economy, coming back into how we're gonna be able to use our dollars, reflects a lot on the current states of social media. You can surround yourself with opinions that you agree with, so your tolerance is really minimal to when somebody disagrees with you because you can actually just block them on your social media and not listen to them. And you surround yourself with people that agree with you, so then it comes back to that when you don't agree with something like, How do you react to it? Mm -hmm. Like, what do you do? And I guess it's something that is happening right now. Like you mentioned, like Mm -hmm. there's a lot of companies that come back and and feel the wrath of that side, either left or right, that don't agree with their mission or their statement or their product or their views. And the way to be able to uh, affect them is by not spending the dollars there. But uh, like you mentioned, I think there's a lot of uh, opportunity where we can come back and – sit down on a table and talk and be able to listen to each other and not hurt the economy as you see in, in these, time, to sure. these, these times right now.
0: Sure. Well, and I, and I think a lot of times they don't realize that when you strike out against a company, you know, you might be striking out the, against the opinion of the CEO. The problem being is when the company stock goes down, the CEO doesn't get fired. Somebody else gets fired that has nothing to do with it. In fact, they may think exactly the same way. So when did the blur take place? When did politics become business and business becomes politics? And I do believe that it's always been like that to a point. But there was a point, and I'm only 59, when you had integrity. And regardless of who was around, regardless of who was in president, regardless who the Congress was, you had integrity. Your beliefs were your beliefs. And they, and they you know, transferred beyond political parties and they stayed. Now it's not – it's just you know, business and politics now become the same. And, and I think it's exacerbated by the fact that now it's not just what you don't you – know, what you do that you're criticized for, but it's what you don't do enough of. So before, you know, you, you know, people would want to give money. Now, everyone went race to give money to Black Lives Matter. Now, you know, are they a good organization? I don't know enough about them either way to say that. But it became to the point where, well, if you didn't give money to them and if you didn't, you know, paint that on the sidewalk, well, then in some way, shape or form, you were, you know, that, you know, you, you were, you were trying to defeat the cause. So at some point in time, you know, business became politics, politics became business at a point where... You know, hmm. it wasn't. But let me, Paul. Let me go back to you for something that you said, and we'll give uh, you know Jacob an opportunity. Why don't they just shop somewhere else? Why? Why do they feel the need to you know put a boycott out on Twitter, or you know say terrible things, or you know threaten physically, you know you know break a window, or you know do terrible things? Why don't you just go someplace else if you don't like it? find another place that thinks the way you do and, and acts the way you do and align yourself with them. Why yeah. why is that not enough, and now you've got to hurt them in some way?
2: Yeah, I think uh, it's a it's a culture. I think the way that we respond to uh, different situations, I think we have evolved into an era where um, if you don't agree with something – I think we're in a state right now. I don't think mm-hmm. it's an era. I think we're in a state right now. If you don't agree with someone or something, the reason that you try to attack – that business or that business owner or that uh point of view is by you affecting them in their business where it hurts in their pockets, right? Sure. I think uh, you know, like you mentioned earlier, sales are mm-hmm. general. Any business we're trying to make a sell a profit. Mm-hmm. Uh and where you heard a business is that. But I think the lack of uh li- uh of understanding somebody else's point of view, I think is definitely has changed throughout the years. And, and going back to my earlier point again, that um circle you can we're able to build with uh, the social media platforms that are out there Uh, it doesn't allow you to pretty like think for yourself I think that is critical for all of us Uh, and I include myself in this as well Uh, At at, you know at some point you are drowning in just different news cable tv social media everywhere and you're just listening to all this uh, points of view that you just kind of want to listen when you listen something different you're so close-minded or you are not open to even start a dialogue Mm -hmm. to try to understand why. And myself, I'm 40 years old. i was raised that, like, you go to a job, you do your job, you don't ask questions and that. But now being in in that industry, be able to develop teams and Mm -hmm. coaching and change culture, Mm -hmm. I even had to adapt and change the way that I was training business owners for them to be able to work, like an example, with millennials. Mm -hmm. Uh, They want to feel gratitude. a sense of an uh, appreciated, gratification, yeah, appreciated it right, for what right. the work they were doing. When myself, it was just like go to the job, do the job, and do it well, and yeah. don't ask questions until exactly. they ask you something. Yeah. So you know, it is that is that those times change. So I think right. there's we, we always have time to be better at mm-hmm. what we do mm-hmm. and be able to support uh, our communities. I think you just be able to start that dialogue and finding a way.
0: And I, I, I couldn't agree more, Jacob. Why don't we just go shop someplace else? Um.
1: I think it's because I think I think Paul really hit it on the I think he really brought it out when he said social media where people get to essentially see what they want and they get to block or choose to unfollow those who they don't want and they essentially build their own sort of like everyone agrees with me kind of sphere. Mm-hmm. And so it almost just reinforces someone's, you know, position without having to deal with contrary opinions mm-hmm. or like if you were just simply, you know, in a space, a public space with a variety of people mm-hmm. and you're interacting with a variety of people with different opinions, it would give you the opportunity to see them for who they are, mm-hmm. what they stand for and understand and listen a bit more than just like in on social media. Mm-hmm. You don't have that eye to eye contact. You don't have that, you know, in-person touch. And so there's a lot of like, you know, people will just post things in order to create friction because it's something that people do on social media, like where it's just an aggravating piece or, or they will, you know, they essentially have like a built up hatred that they keep feeding for the the opposing groups in order to try and prove themselves right and force the other group to look bad. They're just trying to, you know, fuel that, that fire, which is sort of based on, on hate. And I feel like you know that you know so how social media has replaced personal interactions has been a downfall for our community because sure. um, you know social media is addictive. It's, it's you know it takes it's a time suck. It takes right. a lot of time. It's and it and it really does um, infiltrate how we look at other groups. But we don't necessarily see those groups like as people. We look at them almost like the opposition or the yeah. enemy. And I feel like that's very dangerous. I feel like people you don't agree with, it's really good to be able to see them eye to eye mm-hmm. and extend a handshake and find common ground. And like there's lots of good things, even with people you disagree with. You know, we, and I, I, don't, I don't think that takes pl- Social media does not help at all when it comes to trying to like find common ground or, you know, extending you know, sure, communication between groups that have different opinions on a, on a, you know, on some topic. But have we
0: become so polarized we will allow ourselves to be lied to even when the lies come out? I, the one that I love to come, Mm. uh, that I come back to is, is, is the plastic straws. Now that was a big deal a couple of years ago, plastic straws, right? And, and, and literally within months, the entire plastic straw industry was wiped out and you were talking thousands and thousands of jobs and, and livelihood and companies that, that did that uh, in lieu of paper straws. And as I understood it, that it, the, the, the numbers that were generated from you know how many plastic straws are utilized and put in was generated by a, a young lady doing a, a, essentially a school project. And yet, even when that came out, Nobody said, okay. it was all silly. Plastic straws are fine. No big deal. You know, yeah, they'll break down. It might take them a little bit longer. No, it was almost like, okay. well, the lies out there and now the plastic straws are bad and now you got to have paper. And, you know, if you if you don't like paper, then you are a racist, you're a misogynist, you you know, you hate people, you you hate the environment, you kick your dog. None of which was true. It, It became this like rolling and it, and you always hear that you know the constant lie and, and one of the things that we' talk about, maybe the media later on, but you know, I go back to sales. You know, there was companies out there that did nothing but manufacture plastic straws. and and, and in and months' period of time, they were literally out of business. And, and you'd have to be sitting there going, wait a second, we use biodegradable plastic, right? It no it biodegrades just like you know paper or anything else. We, you know, we pay our taxes, we employ people, we give money to the local charity, we do all that. Why in the world are we the poster child for vilification? Because we manufacture plastic straws. And, and yet we allow that to to perpetuate. So let me go on further. So so Jacob, let, yeah. me, let me start, let me have you continue on with this. You know, when did the First Amendment end? You know, as a company owner, and Hmm. you are, I am, right? Our producer Mark is, Paul is, we're all company owners. When did we cease to have an opinion? And I'm not even, and I'm not even talking about the polarization of it. But you know, you look at the opinions that are the most in question, the ones that are being attacked. They're they're patriotic. They're support the military. They're you know. Good government, clean elections—all the things that are out there that are fund now, the police, yeah, fund the police or people, defund, yeah. All, all of these are now being vilified, and is as a business owner who pays his taxes and you know, you know, believes in patriotism and the and the, and the greatness of the United States. You know, it's it, it's it's very hard to put that. I mean, you you have to look at your social media post, as as Paul pointed out, two or three times, and say, okay, could somebody take this wrong? Right? Could could a picture that I you know could a picture that I use in an ad could that be taken wrong? Right? And 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 now where does it end when you know Dr. Seuss is is you know now on the most wanted list? I mean, is there can't be yeah. a natural location where it ends? But you know where do the First Amendment rights end? As you as a company owner, is it now you know shut it down, say nothing, don't worry about transparency, don't let anybody know? It's almost like you're better to say nothing and
1: and let people mm. believe whatever they choose. Yeah, I I feel like our first amendment rights um you know while they're in the constitution um you know as as a founding block of our our government they're not they're, they're only going to maintain, be maintained as long as the the people of this nation maintain them. Like there's no super, you know, there's no force outside of our our nation that's going to maintain our First Amendment rights. It's up to us as citizens, as people who, you know, enjoy these rights for us to understand like what they are and how precious and mm-hmm. delicate, you know, because I, I, I've heard many times in the last few weeks that our First Amendment rights are being challenged or at, or at risk and it's sort of bizarre how, you know, things when I when I was younger, you know, there's many well, 2020 is the perfect example of how things used to feel solid, like things that we could build on, like having a meal at a restaurant, you know, like giving someone sure. a handshake or a hug. Um mm-hmm. you know, being in able the good to old s- days. Being able yeah. to see your grandparents face to face within inches, like mm-hmm. all of those things are gone. Like you know, today's world because of covid because of new rules because of these new things a lot of these firm foundations that we used to all take for granted are now sandy unstable and changing mm-hmm. and and i think first amendment rights you know could be part of that transition i don't know i hope it's maintained because i really enjoy being able to stop you know, being able to talk about what i believe talk about my faith talk about what i think are, what i think are good things mm-hmm. and i think for people that have different opinions i think it's beautiful and wonderful for us to be able to have a dialogue without someone saying um you know you're under arrest because of like a chinese or you know com- communistic um mm-hmm. control over what someone says almost like you know you know if you're a journalist in the US it's a very different experience than being a journalist under you know a communist rule sure. where you're edited and filtered under like, mm-hmm. you know, extreme control. Whereas here in the U S we've, you know, besides freedom of speech, we've also have had freedom of journalism. Um, and that's an interesting thing that, you know, many like we, we sort of sometimes we forget that other mm-hmm. countries don't always have these same mm-hmm. rights and we're, we're actually living in a very unique setup. It is. Um, and so all that to say is I, when it comes to freedom of speech and like where it starts and where it ends, um I think it's all based on people and people mm-hmm. and then when it, when it comes to organizations pe- organizations are made up mm-hmm. of people right and so you know an organization that doesn't have any people may not have a right. the right to talk right. but organizations that have leadership right. and have people of leadership Right. Those get ingrained and weaved into that, you know, that, those freedoms become part of that institution or organization based yeah. on the people who are running that organization.
0: So, yeah. Paul, Paul, let me ask you, and I want to continue that, this, this line of thought, uh, but, but here's some of the things that are happening as of recent. And I think you're going to start to see some lawsuits come out of this, right? If you as a CEO decide to go out and say something— contrary to for whatever, and and some portion of the population hates you. And as a result of that, the stock goes down. And since I own the stock, you know, what you said now affects me, right? You know, directly now, because you you may have a great product. You could have it well-priced. Again, you could have all of the, the legitimate economic indicators, wonderful sales team, great delivery, great. You can do everything right and say one thing wrong, even though it's your First Amendment right. And now you look at all the charter earth that now you
2: leave, whether it's stockholders that
0: have lost money, you know, all of the battles that go along with it. You know, do you have a thought on that?
2: Uh, I do. I think uh, wars matter and wars have consequences. So I think uh, for any company uh, or any individual, whatever you put out, we still have the right to put out whatever message we want. We can say whatever we want. We can believe in anything that we want, the religion, freedom, our our First Amendment, Second Amendment. Like you have those rights as an individual. As a company, you build your company upon the values that you believe are going to be something that you will attract talent, you will retain talent, and you're going to be able to sell your product or service to those people that believe in your values. And it's our core. So I believe that whatever your message is, there's always going to be – a customer base that you're gonna be able to have. How many mm-hmm. restaurants of uh, that sell a burger are out there? Sure, millions. And each and each one of them mm-hmm. have their own market because mm-hmm. they have their own flavor, their own taste, or whatever they they the the propaganda, anything mm-hmm. like that. I think as a company, you have that as well. I do believe that as uh, a business owner, my responsibility is to be able to portray my values through my company, and that is gonna lead back into. Whoever wants to work with me, whoever wants to hire me, that's going to be able to allow me to showcase my talent mm-hmm. in a different way based on upon my business. I don't believe that um, it's right to censor somebody for, uh, well, censor their company. I do believe that it depends on your messaging and what you're trying to get out there in social media or to the community. Uh, it affects people. You have a lot of people that uh, have been affected in the way that they see and trust and believe because of what other people have said, mm-hmm. and uh, and that's impactful, especially if you're in a position of power, uh, you're a CEO, you're on your own company, and you provide value to your community. Your community looks up to those leaders, Sure, community leaders, like, what is it that you believe on? I'm going to trust you and I'm going to follow that. Mm -hmm. So I think uh, that comes back to that uh, words have consequences and create action.
0: But do you think that the words, you know, it's so disproportionately impacted now financially. Again, I go back to sales because that's the focus of our show. You know, now it's become that, again, it's not just what you, you know, what you do wrong. It's what you, what's perceived as what you don't do right enough. You know, for example, I, I came before I moved here to Arizona in 2015. I came from Oakland County, just outside of Detroit. Well, that's the Motor City. And, and at that time, back in the, you know, in, in the early 2000s, all the major car companies were being just lambasted for not having an electric vehicle. And I remember the CEO of GM at, at the time was talking. They kept saying, well, why don't you have an electric car? Why don't you have an electric car? Why don't you have an electric car? and his position was because we make really 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 good gasoline cars. And the question was, well don't you care about the environment? Well, when did us producing really really good gasoline cars, which is what we're in the business of making automobiles, equate to you don't care about the environment. Right? So so now it's well you know, well you you know, your thing has this terrible byproduct, you know, you got to have, you know, alternate energy, right? You got to you got to put these giant batteries into cars. Well, knowing something about cars, the, the carbon footprint of creating a battery is, is much more invasive than the very car that they have. And by the way, that charger has to be fired by a coal fire plant, right? Now, if you want to bring in green energy, again, all of the sales things that come along with it, you know, the cost is disproportionate. It's significantly more expensive. It's not as reliable, blah 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 but now it's being forced that well, if you don't you know if you don't have a solar initiative or you don't have a wind initiative or something, well you don't care about the environment right if you don't if you don't have this this medical and you know if you don't you know and and it's almost like when is transparent too transparent and when is it just lip service? The same people that are telling you we care about women are the same people that that now are on the evening news about their abuse and all their malfeasance. And yet, these are the very same people that say we care about women that will p- not pay them as much.
2: Yeah, I think uh, going back to your point, uh, it, it's just uh, I think we are in a, in, in, in a digital age that we can have an opinion on any issue, any topic. You can go in, and if you if you are not educated or well versed in the topic to be able to tackle then. Uh, and going back to uh, uh, his point earlier, Jacob, uh, is, you know, you have those people that just want to stir something and just want to start something, see what the consequence is, if they believe it or not. They just want to see that friction that that's created. Sure. I feel um, we have uh, the responsibility, I think, as uh, as business owners to be able to see towards the future. I do believe what you're saying if and I think that's a great answer, right? Uh, just saying that uh, an example, like going back to Amazon. He started selling books, yeah like that that was his whole idea that was it. yeah that was it. and in one of the interviews that he did, it, it was really amazing to see his answer on how he was able to grow his company into what it is right now. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, I just listen to my customers. If I was able to deliver a book to their store the doorstep and they somebody told me like, hey, but you can deliver groceries, a toilet paper, a pen absolutely you know what? I probably can. That he just listened to mm-hmm. his customers. I think as a as a, a any business owner, you have to listen and pay attention to what your customers are asking mm-hmm. because you, uh, as a business owner, our main focus one is create revenue, create jobs, absolutely, be able to uh, provide for those employee by us mm-hmm. to be able to support their family. Their family support the community. The community supports our business. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to be able to to understand. I don't think you have to push somebody to go somewhere where they're not ready to go to or just outskirt them because they're not doing what you want to do. That's why you have your dollar to use your dollar somewhere else that is that is, is valuable there. It is somewhere else. Uh, but I do believe there is that social consciousness that has been awaking uh, in, in different areas, uh, political uh climate uh, change, uh, religion, uh, women's rights, uh, Black Lives Matter, there's a lot of opinions out there. I think that if we come together and pay attention to every single one, we have the opportunity to change and evolve as a society to even be more inclusive and be able to Mm -hmm. support any other business. If you wanna sell spaghetti and somebody has the sauce, come together and make a great spaghetti together. Yeah, no,
0: I, I couldn't agree more. By the way, it's a perfect time for a shameless plug on behalf of myself. I'm Don Zabas, National Sales Trainer and Sales Coach. You're listening to Speaking of Sales, the podcast series. We appreciate you being here. We know there's lots of other stuff that you can uh, draw your attention to, especially in all things Pandemicville. So we do appreciate you being here and the commitment you're making to your uh, uh, your personal success in the sales world. So let's jump back into it. Jacob, you know we've been talking about a lot of things and and one of the most recent things that that came up was you know when is transparent too transparent and and when was you know again in the sales methodology when was having a good product and a good service not enough you know now it now it's you know my my wife and daughter bought shoes by Todd's. And and I don't know a lot about women's shoes. And and I they probably weren't the most attractive shoes I think they've ever probably purchased. And when I asked him, why, you know, why are you buying these? The answer was wasn't these are good shoes. They're well made. They're good materials. The answer was they give a pair of shoes to somebody else that was the answer. Hmm. Right? Not not that they're good shoes, that they're a good value, they're well made, good materials, nothing. Their claim to fame was we gave a pair of shoes to somebody else. So at some point in time, when does having a good product or is 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 it doesn't really make a difference? You know, we, we talked about earlier, you brought up we were talking about the political aspects of it and there are some people that think that, you know, the whole election was wrong. Right? So now you've got this additional polarization that says well, you know, here's all the things you're saying. I'm not going to listen to it because you don't deserve to be there because you stole the election. You know, you you took it for whatever thing. So, you know, when is, trans, when is too transparent, too transparent? When is not having a good product enough?
1: Yeah, I, I think when someone has a really good product that they put out and people buy it based on quality, of course, you know, all that's also – Based off of you know, real reviews mm-hmm. versus maybe fabricated reviews, and that's how we sometimes try yeah. to measure someone's quality. Because a lot of us no longer use word of mouth; we now use Google. We use reviews that right. you know may or may not be legitimate, and you know there may be three thousand reviews. Does that mean that it's just been pumped, mm-hmm. <laughs> or right. or is it better to trust the you know the product well, that's only three hundred reviews because it's no long it's sure. not nearly as pumped. Or maybe that company did a really big promotion to make Mm -hmm. reviews happen Mm -hmm. from the legitimate clients. Mm -hmm. It's hard to sometimes know, you know, how to measure. You know, word of mouth was so easy in comparison to modern day equivalents. Um, And that brings up the whole issue of not believing
0: it, right? You see all these reviews, and 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 now you start have
1: the doubt of like, you know, how can I measure that that entity of reviews? Mm -hmm. And 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 then sometimes, you know, someone may have a product. And they might try and compete with someone based on the fact that you know this person has this different viewpoint. So I'm going to make a company to compete and take some market share regardless of the quality of my product. People will hopefully want to buy it just because I'm like anti that group. I, I'm
0: socially conscious, therefore do business with me regardless yeah, of the quality of product. because I'm supporting yes. these
1: groups. Yep. Buy from me. I save Don't the ocean, from, come to me. Yeah. yeah. And so that's a whole thing that's – I'm not quite sure what to think about that. I just know that that's a new – it seems relatively new to me mm-hmm. that people will compete based on ideology um, versus competing just on quality of products. Mm-hmm. Like, it, I it would be nice if people would just compete on quality of products mm-hmm. and take out the ideology because they would have better products. It would be, it would be. I think that'd be most beneficial. But the ideology piece is coming into play, and it's sort of competing with quality of. What yeah. someone has actually uh, created. Um I think like you're going to
2: your point about Tom's that yeah they for every pair of shoes they sell uh, they they give one away and I think uh is the the value of social currency. Like what is it that you are providing to back to to the community uh, or to the to the world in general, right? I think uh we are all in in this place I, I think uh, that uh we can make a huge impact doesn't matter if you're a, a, a monopoly or a small corporation or a small business. Uh, you have two employees. You have two hundred employees. I think the value of and power of social currency is really powerful right now for any any company uh, because that it that makes you and empowers you to be able to provide your product to the community that wants to support your mm-hmm. your point of view mm-hmm. or it, whatever you you want to to accomplish. Uh, and if it is empowering uh, others to open their own business, perfect. You know you're probably gonna have a lot of entrepreneurs that are gonna be surrounding oh, you. Oh, absolutely. If you have, uh, you know, uh, I'll be able to build a company, that you're gonna be able to provide stock. Perfect. You're gonna have a different type of market. That's gonna be able to people that are like a, a career. That's gonna be more structured. Be able to follow. If I do X, Y, and C, I'll be able mm-hmm. to step up and get to a CEO level. But I have my my path. So I think. Uh, the, again, going back to the values of your company, is, uh, it brings your your clients. That's the main source of your uh, value as a company. Mm-hmm. For you to be able to put a price tag on whatever product or service mm-hmm. you, you're doing, uh, that is going to be the one that is going to determine who is going to be your client. Do you think because, and, and this is just a
0: generic question, do you think because there is so much attention into this Nebulous aspect of social conscious that a lot of it is just lip service that that everybody kind of jumps on the same collective bandwagon of, of whatever today's bandwagon was. Uh, you know, it with straws, right? Every restaurant we don't serve. You know, you know, we no longer do plastic straws, right? That's that was a new big thing. You know, that it, it, it might be it seems lip like
1: service to some level, but I think most of it seems very genuine. Like I, I don't feel like it's mostly lip service. But what and, and as long as there's another shoe company to buy shoes from. Hmm? I would say let that person with their niche, you know, idea of giving away shoes mm-hmm. in order to generate sales. Like that's a sales tactic in my mind. Absolutely. It's marketing. Absolutely. Um, but the problem that I have is when it's a monopoly. Like if there is only one entity providing mm-hmm. this niche service that's mm-hmm. protected by the government because and they're getting special access to special rules and special special protections because they're supposed to be, you know – you know, and and they're not being held to being broken up uh, or having fair competition, or you know, and there's a lot of mono- big tech monopolies that are mm-hmm. currently in play. That's when, um, that's when there's a concern when the when the ideology gets a, when it gets placed on a big tech monopoly, and you can't just simply switch from entity, you know, this shoe company to another, but rather. Mm-hmm. You know, Google's got 90% and going to Bing or AOL or or Yahoo, Mm -hmm. you know, going from 90% market share down to three is ridiculous. And like, it's not really a matter of shopping. It's more of you're either playing with Google or you're not playing the game. Mm -hmm. I think
2: it's going back like the the best way to create the best product and the best service, you have to have competition. Oh, absolutely. You have to have competition because you understand what the other uh, company is doing well. What habits are they doing? Mm-hmm. What techniques are they using for them to be successful? What can you learn from that? And at the same time, like, what opportunities are there for your company sure. to be better? And I think uh, I totally agree. I There has to be more than just one company that does X, Y, and C right. for us to have a fair shot to be able to ha- get that level of, of success. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, uh, again, going back to the opportunity for you to be able, I think this is one of the biggest... and. This is why I love this country. We all have the opportunity to be someone mm-hmm. and create something in the United States of America. Uh, myself, I'm an immigrant. I've been here in the states for 20 years, and I've been able to build a career, a path on how to be able mm-hmm. to give back, even to this country that give me has given me so much, mm-hmm. and be myself, give back to them as well. Mm-hmm. And again, it just aligns with that with your values and how you're going to be able to to provide that. And I think going back to the Tom's question about the the shoes. I think it's a technique for them to be able to sell shoes, but the impact they're making mm-hmm. on that person that is lacking or don't have the buying power to get a pair of shoes sure. for somebody to hand you one. Oh, it's and significant. You one, it's it's, absolutely. Significant. it's huge.
0: No, absolutely. And I and I couldn't agree more, but yeah. I think that there's one of the things that you, you touched upon something, which was the immigration issue, I think is very, again, because so many of the sales jobs- you know, retail sales jobs, you know, phone sales jobs, those things, they, they do kind of fall to a, a younger, uh, maybe, you know, you know, certainly not financially quite as significant as other people are going to be. So, you know, you've got this, you've got this marketplace, which is going to continue to strain as you have more and more people come up. But now using immigration again, it's almost like the death of due process. Right. If you if you bring up and and thank you for bringing it up, because I won't touch that hot potato. By the way, that was Paul that (laughs) brought it up. Right. You know, but now if you even bring up the immigration issue in any capacity for against doesn't make any difference. If you just bring it up automatically, you're bad. Right. You're bad. You hate kids. You hate people. Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm devoutly Catholic. Right. I believe that this is a wonderful country that has room for everybody. Welcome. You know, my, I, you know, my family Sicilian. They came from Torragrato, Sicily. I'm, you know, my great, my grandfather did. He was an immigrant. You know, clearly, I'm, I'm the product of immigrants. But there are just some legitimacies that we have to follow, in a, you know, in in a country of laws, especially when you start looking at the econ- economic aspect. So, so let me throw this one to you, Paul, because I mentioned the death of due process, and then, and Jacob, I'd like to get your thoughts on that as well you know before if you did something wrong there wasn't the, the the jury of the media right there wasn't the execution by the populace right you you did something wrong everyone kind of took that position let's see the facts Right. You know, what you see isn't, you know, isn't exactly what happened right?
1: until proven guilty used to be the mantra. <laughs> sure.
0: And and, I, and if you look, I mean, you know, there's always that great example that happened recently of that, of that high school kid that was in standing in front of that Indian elder that was banging the drum mm. and, and everyone, you know, rushed to judgment. Oh my God, the kid, you know, he's being so insulting and, you know, here's an elder and blah, 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 blah. And sure enough, when the truth came out, they didn't show you. They only showed you the sniglet of of him standing in front of of the older Indian. They didn't show you the whole section of it where it was just a kid was standing there. The Indian came, you know, the elderly Indian came up to him. Yeah. Now, now, it costs CNN and a lot of the cable news networks, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars in lawsuits. But that death of due process is, is really gone. It's, you know, you don't have an opportunity to air yourself. Even when you go to the court, some people don't get, you know, they don't get what they think is – uh a fair shake there. So what would you say? Like, you know, go, go back to the concept of the death of due process, right? You're in a business, you own a business, something terrible has been said about you. You know, how do you defend against that?
2: Oh, well, um, well, I think, you know, again, going back, uh, right now, we're in, in an era that we don't, uh, we don't listen. Sure. The court of public opinion. Yeah. We judge and we don't listen. Mm -hmm. I think it's, uh, uh, a, a huge opportunity mm. for all of us to be able to, to really take a moment and analyze like what's going, what's going on, what are the facts, what is the truth, and and go from there. Uh, I think we're in uh, that era that we uh, jump into a lot of uh, conclusions mm-hmm. without knowing the facts because right now. Uh, the news are. I'm gonna get the news out and see what happens instead of uh, giving you the real uh, facts, and sure. so you can understand and be educated on, yes, on, the, on the, the topic. The journalism is dead. Philosophy. So you know, I think it's, it's, it's something that has to be uh measured in a in a different way. Uh, and just to be able to to have that opportunity to to listen to the facts and and speak your point of view.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. What would you say about that, Jacob? So, so when you do something wrong and You are, you know, your, your company takes a hit. Um, Well, first of all, I would like, you know, you know, flipping the, flipping the table. So like, you know, looking at it from another viewpoint when someone else who does something wrong and, and they're taking a financial hit, I think there's in both scenarios, there's room to extend grace and provide conversations and try and help that person heal and recover from Mm -hmm. their, you know. Misstep, their you know their their wrong direction. Sure, well and, we're imperfect people. Yeah, and so I think I think one thing you know based on my you know biblical church um, background, I would say we're all broken people. We all are in need of healing. We've all been hurt from other, by other people. We've also all have been you know we've all we've hurt other people. Like there's a story in the Bible about a good Samaritan mm-hmm. who was traveling and he got beat up and so there's a robber who beat up the good Samaritan. Mm-hmm. There's a good Samaritan lying on the side of the road, all his money's gone, he's sort of bloodied. And then these people walk by and ignore him, like these people of leadership. Yeah. And then this other guy walks by who was like of a you know, who didn't get along with the, the you know, the there was some race tension there mm-hmm. perhaps. Yeah. And and then that person ended up helping get that person to uh, a place to heal mm-hmm. and paid the bills. So in reality you know, each one of us are sometimes the robber, and then sometimes we're the victim, and sure. sometimes we're the person walking by with our nose and eyes looking on our, you know, we're, we're already full. We don't mm-hmm. have time to stop and help. Sure. Or sometimes we're the person who does help. But very often we're not the Good Samaritan. Very often we're one of these other people in the story, or we're a combination. Right, right. Of like, you know, if you think about it in that way, we're like, you know, how often have you been hurt, and how often have you been the hurt person who hurt someone else? Sure. Or who have helped or who didn't help, were like all of those people, and and so I think in the end we we need to realize that you know sometimes we're the person who hurts and we mm-hmm. need to step up and you know which makes it even harder to be the person who helps. Sure. Or sometimes we're the person who was hurt and we need to be willing to accept help mm-hmm. from someone we don't like. <laughs> you know. No. Sure. I, and, I and so all that to say is um, I think there's room for healing and there's room to. Recover and there's room to extend our, you know, to realize that we're all part of the problem and we're all also we're also all part of the need Mm -hmm. and and and, to learn. Yeah, and the Good Samaritan story, you know, very often we're always told, oh, be the Good Samaritan, but it's Mm -hmm. much deeper than that. Mm -hmm. Sometimes we're in need to accept help from our enemy. Sure. Or sometimes we're in need to not be the enemy and, like, Mm -hmm. you know, realize that we were the one that bloodied and stole the money. Sure. And 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 it's harder to think about it in that perspective, but in reality, you know, we can all come to some grips that, you know, we are – we're responsible from different postures of that story.
0: (laughs) <laughs> no, no, I, I couldn't agree more. In fact, and I do believe that it's businesses and I'll even go so far as sales. You know, in, in my world, since so much of my purview is is related to sales and sales development, revenue development, I, I believe that sales has that picture. I mean, I believe that that commerce is the purest sales, is the purest manifestation of business because it doesn't care if you're a man or woman. It doesn't care if you're black, white, or green. It doesn't care if you're young or old. It doesn't care if you're immigrant born. It doesn't make a difference. Your selling capacity, your ability to communicate and be persuasive transcends every one of those lines. It has, Hmm. to me, it just has a purity that everything else goes by. So Paul, as as we wind up today's session, let me, I've got some parting things, but I want to get your thoughts. What do you think that the future holds for this whole sales cancel culture? And, you know, would you have kind of a word of wisdom, all right, for the listeners that are out there, so they can take that golden nugget. So, what do you think the future holds, and what would that, you know, what would that word of wisdom be that that they might be the first person that starts that change, or they might be the the good Samaritan when one is needed?
2: I, uh, honestly, I, I am an optimist. I always see uh, and look at the the brighter side of mm-hmm. of things, mm-hmm. and I think if you're in business, you have to <laughs> you have to have that mindset yeah. that you're gonna you're gonna come out of whatever it's happening. Yeah. Uh, so I do believe that uh, right now we're in an, in an age that we have an opportunity to really explore, understand, and know your market, know your customer, know what they want, know what they need, and how to be able to get to them. Mm-hmm. We have so many different tools right now that you can literally take out your phone right now and ask a question, and you'll get the answer in less than thirty seconds. Absolutely. Uh, and actually, and <laughs> the fortunate that with that is that you get maybe like two or three different answers with that. But at the end of the day is who is going to connect with you. Mm-hmm. My word of advice for everybody that is out there and is a business owner, I think, uh, is stay true to your values. Find and surround yourself with people that believe in what you are are providing to the community. Um, I think uh, the, the most important thing is if you continue to build upon your mission and if your mission is to contribute to your community, your community is going to contribute to you. It doesn't matter any type of business that you are in. Uh, You're going to find that value, and they're going to find that value on you, and they're going to be your customer. They're going to be a loyal customer to you.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. Jacob? Sure. So um, I know some people who are, you know, that that talk about sales, sometimes they'll they'll say things like, you know, I could sell ice cubes to an Eskimo or something (laughs) that, you know, people don't really need because I'm such a good salesman, I can sell things that, you know, may not really help mm-hmm. someone's life, and so I, my my thought on sales is, you know, sell the Eskimo a truck with a heater, and sell them a, <laughs> exactly. a really nice fur coat, and <laughs> and sell them, you know, and get them out of that ice house and get them into you know exactly. a really nice warm house or something. And I, I just think you know, there's room to sell things that make lot makes people's lives better. Right. And and I think that's a key ingredient to sales is, you know. As a salesperson myself, I, 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 um, I'm also pretty thrifty generally. And so I will often try and make the sale to someone that if I was in their shoes, I would enjoy and I would buy. Mm-hmm. And most people are not nearly as thrifty as I am. And so they usually will buy <laughs> anything I pitch. <laughs> because I'm trying to be – I'm trying to essentially do sure. do them right, right by selling things to mm-hmm. them that will – that are appropriate help them yeah. reach their mm-hmm. their goal mm-hmm. or help them achieve what they're looking to mm-hmm. accomplish um and i think that's the main key for for my still strategy is trying right. to help people as if i was in their shoes right. and with the same you know with their current you know scenario and with their set of goals i'm trying right. to help them reach the goal line that they're trying to strive for um yeah and yeah, so I guess in the end, I really appreciate you inviting us into this room and no, bringing up this conversation. This is Fine. not an easy discussion to have. Well,
0: it, it's not. and It can go south real, really, really fast. I think it, it went
1: well today, though. Yeah,
0: it, it really did. It, and I and I a couple things I, I did want to mention. You are right about salespeople. I mean, sales is a very maligned environment to start with. So if you think about the, you know, if you think about the idea of, uh, you know, let the let the buyer beware and the fast talking salesman and you know plaid jacket wearing, right? I mean. You know we are generally maligned out in the world, mistrusted and such like that. Uh, but I do believe that we start the message. You know I, I think the sales is as much of an ideology as it is a product. You can sell like, and and I'll give you I'll give you what I actually tell my clients. So for those that are listening that are my clients, you already know the answer for this. I say don't talk, act. And and the, and the reason that I've said that, especially now in this cancel culture world of business that so much of what we say is misinterpreted. So much of the, the language that we use, the opinions that we render, the, the, uh, the, the objections that we raise, the, the, you know, the thoughts that we feel compelled to share to the entire world, you know, that, that they're easy, they're open to interpretation, they're open to scrutiny, they're open to mis- and, you know, misjudgments and such. However, I find that the actions generally are, are never misinterpreted right? If you're concerned about a particular group of people, do something for them, right? You don't have to tell anybody about it, right? You go do something for them. If you're concerned about the, the plight of women, fine, then look for an opportunity when appropriate, right, to hire a woman and be conscientious to pay them the appropriate amount that you would pay a man, right? If you're concerned about politics, take up the mantle, run for something, Right. You be that that voice of reason instead of being the voice of criticism. You know, there's a there's a great adage we talk about in training and coaching that if you want a better, you know, if you want a better boss, be a better employee. You know, you want a better spouse, be a better spouse. You want a better child, be a better parent. Right. You want to you know, you want to, you know, want to you know, be a you want better parents, be a better kid. You, you really can't control anyone else than yourself. So th- what we're really promoting is the idea of don't talk about it. Right. Don't feel the need to respond if somebody says something you disagree with. Don't don't feel the need to bang them against the wall and, you know, say terrible things about them and go to the base, you know, to our our natural base level of just anger. But act if they say something that is, you know, wrong, then create an action that shows they're wrong, not your words. Right. My mom used to always say, never listen to what people do. Right. Or excuse me, never listen to what they say, only listen to what they do. Actions speak louder than words. Absolutely. And, and yet, I think that's one of the messages that has long been, you know, because people use words like we need to create a dialogue. And I keep thinking to myself, what What do we have to talk about? Really? Why do we, I mean, we don't really have to talk about this. If, if this is the issue and you have it within your means to do something, right? So if it's if it's a money problem with a particular group of people, fine. Go be wildly successful in sales. Make a shit. Make a lot, sorry, make, make a lot of money and then give a lot of money away. I mean, you look at the Warren Buffetts of the world. I was fascinated by that man right here. He's one of the top five richest men in the United States. He, he worked his entire life, amassed this 40 plus billion dollar fortune, right? And, and I think to myself, if I had 40 billion dollars, what would I? I? would sit naked on top of my money, <laughs> and, you know? And, and yet, what does he do? He gives two thirds of it away. And who does he give it to? The richest guy. Right? Bill and Belinda Gates, right? So if you think, you know, one of the top five richest guys gives two thirds of his money to the essentially one of the richest guys, certainly vying back and forth with Bezos. But the idea is that don't talk about it, right? Don't, you know, don't jump into social media. You, you don't need to take up fencing with words. Go out and do something, Yeah. right? Find a group, donate your time, volunteer. That way, nothing that you can say can be misinterpreted. Nobody's going to look at you volunteering at a hospital. And say, "Oh my God, he's just doing it," you know, for for publicity. Well, nobody knows where's the publicity, and and I think that was the I think that's the one thing that's been missed in in the entire dialogue related to sales and the cancel culture. It, it is the talking about it and the endless word fencing back and yeah. forth. So, I've got, I, I,
1: I've got one more thought I'd yeah, like to please. share. So, no. um, this is sort of you know so so jesus in the bible gave one of the most difficult you know uh uh commands you know to to believers who follow jesus and that is to love your enemy like it's a crazy idea like no matter who you are that's mm-hmm. either either feels impossible right or just unbearable mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> you know? no that's but yet, true but like to, so if you have you know, so if there's someone in social media that doesn't agree with you, mm-hmm. the idea or, you know, or someone in life who doesn't agree with you on a on a given political or di- mm-hmm. different topic to actually, you know, try and love that person with, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's simple, something as simple as looking at them, you know, trying to point them towards a caring thought and shaking their hand and trying to be civil and. You know, providing, you know, trying to build rapport with them before trying to simply, you know, shut them down. Anyways, all that to say is there's, yeah, I think that's sort of like this interesting background piece when it comes to conflicting groups is this crazy, very difficult idea of providing care or love for someone you incredibly disagree with.
0: And, and who am I to not stop on the words of the Messiah there? So <laughs> thank, thank you so much. Like John Lennon said, all you need is love. I, I appreciate you joining us today on Speaking of Sales. Today was a, a wonderful topic, one very near and dear to my heart. I want to thank Jacob from iRapture and and, and Paul from Vibin. These are two wonderful organizations, and we'll have their contact information available uh, or connected to the, uh, the podcast as well. As always, I'm Don Zavis, National Sales Trainer and Sales Coach. And again, I want to thank you for joining us today on Speaking of Sales. Thank you so much. Goodbye.